What does SAFE mean for Black students at Northwestern? In this multi-part series, I'm asking students how they define the word SAFE and if they feel at ease on campus. In our first segment of this series, I sat down with a few Black students to see what safety means to them. To give her definition of safety, we'll first hear from SESB sophomore Eliza Gonring. I feel like in an educational sense, like a safe environment is one where you're like free to grow, you're free to be uncomfortable, free to like voice your opinions, just free to do the things that need to be done to like get a well-rounded education. But at the same time, like feeling safe that like what you say or like how you think won't be like erased which you're not gonna find that in any higher education, I feel like, because like, I constantly have to remind my teachers that black people just exist. Um, so it's like, if you're being erased, that's not a safe place because it's not meant for you. Gonering has experienced firsthand what it's like to occupy a space not meant for you. In a social policy class, Gonering's professor was explaining this final project, which required students to play the roles of Supreme Court justices in a case reenactment. The professor admiringly talked about Clarence Thomas, an associate justice of the Supreme Court, who was formally accused of sexual harassment. The professor's comment left Gonering reeling. The final project would have been a Supreme Court simulation and two students, no four students because we've had two people playing each judge, would have had to uh, like personify the role of either Kavanaugh or uh, Clarence Thomas, both extremely fucking problematic. And then we were talking about the simulation and then she ta starts talking about how good of, how cool of a guy Clarence Thomas is and like how he's, he's cool and everyone that's talked to him has liked him and I raised my hand and I'm like, you know, there's only like three black women in the room and considering what he has done to a black woman, I think it's very unsafe for you to talk about him. Like he's just this normal, really cool, charismatic guy. And she essentially told me I was wrong for saying that. And so I walked out and then I told her, I'm like, I'm not doing that final. It was just a miserable class. A lot of Gan Ring's frustration stems from the lack of student support she got in class. Now you become hyper-visible. I have kids that were in that class that will just stare at me if they see me out in public. Um, some of them will try to wave and I'm just like, fuck off, where were you? <laughs> Don't wave at me. You should have supported me then. For sophomore journalism major Amani Harris, in a moment where she desperately craved student support, she was instead met with laughter by her peers. I was in a Medill lecture. Um, I think my class is like 50 or 60% white and like 10, maybe like 8% black in Medill specifically. Um, and there was a white professor who was trying to make some point. I can't even remember the point that he was trying to make, but in trying to make this point, he played this video with like no context almost of like a black man being like very stereotypical, very like irate, he was very angry, he was very drunk. And what had happened was someone had called the police on him and the police came to his home and arrested like his mom and his brother and he wasn't even there. And so he was talking about how upset he was about that. but. In the video, he was like drunk and like still drinking and yelling about like, I'm gonna kill somebody and like all this stuff. And like, we weren't given any context to the video. He literally just played it. And I promise you around me, everyone was laughing. And like in a room where there, there might be 10 to 15 black people maybe, 
and like we weren't laughing obviously but like everyone else around me was like laughing and I was sweating like I promise you I was sweating profusely my legs were shaking like I was so angry and like I think also just like so embarrassed because it's like I came to Northwestern from Detroit and literally work every day to shed stereotypes and for this professor to just like throw them in our face even without like being like oh his anger is justified because of this or after the situation this is what happened or like things like that you know how did the fact that your peers were laughing at the video make you feel i feel like it really just showed me the type of people i go to school with and like all the things that were racing through my head were like oh my god like there are black men in this room right now who now these like students are gonna identify with this video that they saw because of where they come from. And maybe they come from a place where there's not a lot of black people. So this is their indication of black people or black men. And so now the black men in this room have to fight that narrative the rest of the time that they're here. For Weinberg senior Rick Wallace, speaking up in racial situations is tough because of the angry black man stereotype that's so commonplace in the media. I think it's really dangerous. I mean, I think that for me as a black man, as someone who is physically imposing and is very aware of that, um, I've always felt like that stereotype that um, Rick is dangerous, Rick is out of control. To me, that's, it's the ultimate trump card. To me, that's a point in which like, there's nothing else I can do. Like I feel completely paralyzed um, and there's no response for me at that point. Anything I say is going to be construed to fit within that narrative. If I don't say anything, now Rick is disengaged. If I say something else, you're continuing to be aggressive. If I say the right thing, it's still going to be the wrong thing. Um, so yeah, I would say for me as a black man, that's a very paralyzing idea of being perceived as aggressive. And according to Gonnering, on campus, a strong paradox exists. You're encouraged to speak out and stand up for what you believe in. But as soon as you do, a target is placed on your back. In Gonnering's case, her professor went to her academic advisor, and now Gonnering strongly feels there's a stigma against her in Sespi. I think everyone kind of like encourages it, but then when you speak out and you're critical of the way things have always been at this school, that's when they stop encouraging it. When it's things where you're like, I know everyone's doing this, but people need to stop doing this. That's when you can't speak out, um, I feel like. And even if they just kind of like don't discourage it, no one's really encouraging you to be critical of the way things work, which I think is the biggest offense because nothing, nothing's going to get better for any student if we're not critical of the environment we're in. Like, that's how change happens. And like, critiquing something isn't necessarily hating on it. It's just wanting it to be better. And for some, critiquing aspects of this campus isn't an easy job. For Harris, she's seen college life stifle her voice. Being on this campus, I feel like has really stifled my voice a lot in a lot of ways. Um, and so I guess like, I always just think like, what is the impact of what you're gonna say? Like, is it necessary? Um, are they gonna hear it? But, or, and um, I guess like the transition, it's still rough, it's still happening. And sometimes I still don't say things because I am nervous, but like getting out of the habit of like letting my fear like allow things that should not be happening in a classroom in 2019 happen. Like, like making sure that I know like 
other things are more important than my fear and like fighting for that. Weinberg sophomore Kenny Allen, on the other hand, has had a different experience. He says he feels safe on campus as a black man and wishes other black students could feel the same. Allen also thinks it's important black students not demonize their white peers. So I think that I have like an especially safe experience as a black person on campus um, because I went to a private middle and high school, um, cost a lot of money, and because of that most of the people that I would like came of age with were like upper middle class white people um, and I sort of got like a lot of time to assimilate into that culture um, for better or for worse and I think that because of that now that I'm at Northwestern which is a school for like upper upper middle class white people um, I think I've had a much easier time transitioning um, and things feel a lot more safe to me um, it's like easier for me to understand what's going on and there isn't so much of that like fear of the unknown. Um, like I know a lot of black people here who like went to like all black high schools and like grew up with only black people. Um, and they're I think reasonably like afraid of like how a group of white people would treat them um, just because they've like never really been in that environment before. Um, but I think I'm lucky enough to like feel safe on this campus where I go to school. Weinberg Jr. Amira Richards has felt at times invalidated by Northwestern's STEM program. Richards, who is both black and queer, has often felt like the odd one out and disregarded by her peers. Yeah, I think my experience is kind of unique as like a black woman in STEM, a black queer woman in STEM. I can like think of one example like last year and we had these like quizzes and like I would be like working groups for the quizzes and literally whatever I was saying like wasn't taken seriously or taken into account and then we ended up like getting the things wrong in which I said like they were correct. So I think just, and like it cost my grade like for that particular quiz. Um, and after that I have to be like, I'm not working with these people. And I think it's often on me, I feel like, to voice my um, like discomfort and like the discomfort that I know like a lot of other people are feeling. And even though Richards says her experience in STEM classes hasn't made her feel safe, she's had a fulfilling experience in the classroom working towards her minor gender studies and wishes the culture cultivated in those classes existed in STEM as well. What makes that gender studies environment so different? I definitely think I see more um, more women of color um, in those spaces and even like as far as like faculty goes. Um, like the the feeling that I get from like learning in that environment and that's fostered in that environment is so much more like fulfilling and just like more right I guess than the feeling that I would get in like check like a hundred seats you know what I mean um, looking staring at a board um, which is that's like the nature of like the courses and like the work that I'm doing but I still think there are ways in which a lot of aspects. Um, of gender studies courses could be applied. Um, so I think in general, just seeing people that look like me, um, really, when we have like discussion-based classes, 
really like prefacing like here is like this identity and here's how it's like fitting into this space and here's how you're um, kind of excluding certain identities and just the freedom to talk and to like brainstorm and to just share openly like your emotions and feelings um, is, is a great thing that's always refreshing and I really don't see that in other spaces. And even though some black students have had negative experiences at Northwestern, students have made it their mission to create and cultivate safe spaces for black students on campus, one of which is For Us By Us, an affinity space for black women on campus headed by Richards. Um, a tea time um, um, series is basically like bi-weekly discussions um, on different topics, you know, making it um, an intentional space for people to just like relax and, and debrief and just be with one another in fellowship. Um, so I think that's good. Um, we're also partnering with other groups like Shape and the Collective um, to really ta like tackle um, issues on like gender or gender and heteronormativity um, in the black community. Harris is a part of the Black Mentorship Program which allows black upperclassmen to serve as guides to underclassmen. The group has weekly meetings and each mentorship pair meets nearly every week. For Harris, the mentorship program gives her a breather that she never before needed. I never had a need for a safe space in Detroit because like everywhere was safe to me, you know? Um, because everywhere I went, like, even if, like, there were people that didn't like me, like, it didn't matter. It's like, they didn't make me feel unsafe. We just didn't get along. Whereas here, I feel like I need a safe space. Like, I, I need, like, I need to go to B&P on Sundays and, like, get my dose of melanin. Like, I literally need that um, to make it through another week here because it's so tiring to have to, like, constantly explain my experience and you know, fight for myself and fight for my identity and like fight for my race. Like all of those things are so exhausting. For Gonering, creating atmospheres of love for black students is what keeps her going. I can see how easy it would be for me to transfer, to drop out, to just like take a medical leave and never come back because like that happens to a lot of people and I'm in a situation where it could easily happen to me because this place is like that. Um, I hope that like I'm just able to keep creating environments for me and my friends where we could keep going because I know a lot of them also feel the same way. Just like keep creating space that like motivates us, encourages us, and like creates love between us because that's really the only spaces where love is gonna be because it sure as fuck isn't gonna be in the classrooms.